God open up our hearts are open up and our ears are open and our eyes are open to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to the body of Christ during this church age during this season in our lives we will not be ignorant of the devices of Satan for we want to grow come into a greater understanding so that we can stand therefore thank you Lord Jesus for being our Heavenly Father for being our Lord being our Savior being our comforter being our all in all you are the great I am and whatever we need you are that at that time so we thank you that we serve a God that can fulfill all of our needs mm, that can relieve us from every pain and discomfort if it's his, his if it's his will to do so thank you Jesus we don't serve a God that you put on the shelf or you worship at certain seasons because that's when that spirit comes up. <laughs> we serve a living, faithful God. Hallelujah, Jesus, who's concerned about our souls more than what our outer looks like. Thank you, Jesus, because if the inside is right, the outer will shine. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are in um, Colossians 4, and we left off at uh, verse 6. Yes, last week. So we're beginning with verse seven. And this is a, 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 a different kind of um, lesson or different verses compared to what we are generally searching and looking at. Okay, so I'm gonna read verses seven through eight, and then we'll come back and try to dissect them. So uh, it's, there's a lot of Asian or Greek names and Roman names in here, so you bear with the pronunciation, okay? Amen. Verse 7, All my states shall Titius declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts, so that he may know your circumstances and comfort your heart. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Artashes, my fellow prisoner, salute you. Which means a greeting when they use that word in here. So he's greeting you. And Marcus, sister, son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called justice, who are the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Now for people who don't know, this is not Jesus Christ, this is justice, and his name is, is, is Jesus in the, in, the, uh, in the Greek. It says, uh, Ephaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salute you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God, or filled in all the will of God. For I bear him record, or witness, that he have a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hyperphilus, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greets you. Salute or greet the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Arphas, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. 
the salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. Grace be with you, amen. What Paul is doing, he's actually uh, doing a closing greeting to the believers of Colossae Church, okay? And so he, he begins with talking about the people who are working in ministry together with him in ministry, but they're in other areas that he have sent them to service the believers, amen? He's saying, I'm sending Titius in all my state. In other words, everything that's going on with me and where I'm located right now, but I'm sending him with a greeting towards you to help build you up, basically what he's saying, to help build you up to continue to do and flow in the work of the, of the ministry. And so he says in verse 7, Titius, he, who he was sending, was with Paul in his travels and doing Paul's second imprisonment. And he was taking the letter from Paul to the Colossians church. So he actually was with Paul. That's why he called him a fellow servant, because they were working together. And, and, uh, and he was also uh, in the imprisonment with Paul. He says, I'm sending this letter um, to the Colossians church with the state of affairs that is going on, not only with, with, within this world, but also with me. So he says, um, in eight, he says, whom I have sent to you for the same purpose that he might know your, your circumstances and comfort your heart. He says, I, I, I put him in the state of approval my approval of who he is that you can trust and respect and honor and receive because he is bringing the word to you that I have written to you to keep you encouraged and to keep you motivated. Now, Titius was suggested that he was the pastor of the Colossian church. And so for them to accept him and honor him, not only for the position, but, but because Paul is giving him the credit of who he is for his faithfulness as well as his office. So Paul wanted them to know more about his servanthood so that they will be able to trust him and realize you have to honor him and respect him, not because of the office that he's operating in, but be, more especially because of his faithfulness and his servanthood, amen. amen. So, so this, this is what Paul is getting them to, to understand. We can, just like we've done with Jesus, we have reduced him to such a common denominator that we don't, we're not in awe of who he is and what he can do for us because we have made it so common. You know, and we use phrases, and, and that's not the intention, I'm sure, of people when they use phrases like, Jesus, that's my boy, and all of that kind of stuff. But you reduce him where you don't reverence him. And when I say reverence him, I don't mean like going around speaking all kinds of wonderful things about him. The reverence is, is that you are in awe of who he is, and you implore him in your life to be who he is in your life, which means he causes you to rise above commonality. He causes you to rise above natural things as he does the work, but he cannot do that work in us and for us when we don't believe enough and we don't cry out to him for it. He just doesn't just show up because you one day said, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. He shows up because you have a close relationship with him and you know how to call on him in every situation. You know how to appeal to his court for everything that bothers you, that's going on with you. You don't just sit around and just expect stuff to happen because you, you woke up breathing. He's in relationship. That's all God redeemed us to be in relationship with him. So he needs to hear from you. He needs to know because, see, when he hears from you in times of trouble, he knows then you know who your redeemer is. Amen. 
You know who can bring you out, who can fix things, who can turn it around, who can do all of these things. And so Paul is trying to exhort and admonish the, 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 the believers to trust the ones that God has put before you to do the work of the ministry because not only just because he put them there, but let me tell you, when you trust God for the people he has put in your life, it causes that virtue in them to rise up to the occasion that they've been called to in order to do the work of the ministry that in turn fills you and completes you. So it doesn't do us any good to try to destroy them or strip them down because that is going to limit what you're going to receive. God's virtue operate by our faith. Amen. Amen. And so when when you hear certain terminologies in the that Paul is speaking of in the in the epistles, he says a faithful minister, that means he's holding or she's holding a ministry office. When he used the terminology I, I put before you, a faithful minister, that means that person is holding a ministry office. When he says beloved brother, that means a Christian worker. Okay? Where you're working together. Okay? Co-laboring together. Fellow servant of the Lord means fellow servant of the Lord. When Paul is saying that means another apostle. And so in that time when Paul was doing the missionary work, he had female apostles as well as male apostles. Okay. So, um, actually when, in and in my study, I looked up, it says that during that time that Paul is doing his missionary work and he started the church, in actuality, okay, the Church of Christianity, not the Roman Catholic Church, okay. Paul had a total of 95 co-workers, okay. Now let me, um, I'm going to read out of one of my books some information that will really help us to be informed. See, when, when we understand the history of our, our faith, then it gives you a secure feeling. Okay, and it, as well as it's giving you some, some knowledge to better understand who you are in Christ and who Christ is in our lives. So it says that long-term co-workers, a number of these individuals have a long-term relationship with the apostle, and that meant some of the ministers, uh, uh, other apostles and anybody that was co-laboring with Paul in the ministry. Amen. He says um, some of these uh, individuals have a long-term relationship with the apostle. Barnabas, Mark, and Titus are associated with him from the time of his Antiochian ministry, whatever that means, but Antioch, when he was going through their ministry, okay? It says, the latter two remain in relationship to his mission from time to time until the close of his life. Now, when you hear that, it doesn't necessarily mean that they just left him. It means they've been assigned to other locations. But they do work with him in spite of, because regardless, since he's over them, they have to report to him, okay? So it says, um, when you see a pastoral letter, it's as due as a number who join him doing his mission to Greece, like Timothy, Luke, Priscilla, Aquila, and perhaps Eratus. Similar are certain associates who initially come into view during Paul's first Asian ministry, which means in Asia, okay? Apollos, Trophimus and Titius. So he's giving you the breakdown of how these, are y'all understanding? Okay, how they actually came into the ministry. He says, on the probable Caesarean province of three letters from prison, which was Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, the name Demas may be added, although he abandoned the mission near the end of Paul's life. 
These 10 or so long-term co-workers are complemented by many others who are a part of Paul's mission for shorter periods of time. Isn't that wonderful? You, you, contrary to what I see in today's church, they complemented each other, which is another word for edifying to stay encouraged. We're too busy being so jealous, coveting other people's uh, gifts and talents that you, you're trying to uh, bring them down, have something negative to say about them. But if you compliment them, that encourages them to want to keep on going and do more. Amen. 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 So, and it is really easy for you, because most times the one who has the loudest voice of complaints is the one that do the least. So it's real easy for you not doing anything to complain about what somebody else is doing and it doesn't equal up to your expectations which are more greater of others than it is of yourself. Barnabas, Silas, Silvanus, and Mark. They didn't all attend with him on every missionary journey, but they did attend on missionary trips. I just wanted to give you an idea about the followers of Paul and, and, and how they all came about. Now, it's amazing because that number, uh, uh, 95, when you think about Paul touring Asia and other countries, it's not a big deal. But they're the faithful ones. I hope y'all see in the vision. In verse 9, it says, Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you that shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Okay, so this person here was um, um, one of the leaders of the church that met in the home of Philemon. Okay, and Philemon was a wealthy man who was converted by Paul. Okay, now Onemus was one of, one of his slaves who ran away but was converted at, while he was gone by Paul and Paul brought him back to return, okay? So he brought him back after he got converted, he brought him back to work in the church, all right? Which confirms these two truths. This is, is reinforces two truths. That in Christ, there is neither slave nor free. We put all of these boxes and titles, titles of position on people, but with God, we're all equal. And the second point is that a person's past is forgiven. God don't hold that past, nor does that past as jacked up as it was, does not determine what you're going to do for God. It does not annihilate what God's plans have for your life. Actually, sometimes it works in accordance with that because then it allows you to have more compassion for people who are dealing with those situations and actually it would also allow you to have more knowledge how to reach those people because you were there. Amen. And so, so you can go back and pull them up. You know, so many Christians, and, and I've watched this happen even in our congregation, and those same people have fallen themselves. When they got saved, and they were all, for sake, lack of a better word, got geeked into the Jesus Christ, then all the people in the world, they criticize and complain about, only to go back to that same situation now. Because you be careful about who you're talking about and what you're doing. Amen. Amen. Because you'll fall by the wayside. Amen. Okay. And so um, what uh, the, the church must learn to forgive and to restore such a brother or sister back to the fellowship. When one fall away, we need to restore them. And for those who don't know him, we need to be humble enough to be able to share the good news with them so that they can come. Because um, if God can forgive then who are we not to forgive? Amen. Amen. Now, in uh, verse 10, and it says, Artashius, my fellow, fellow prisoner, greets you, and Marcus, 
the sister son to Barnabas, okay, touching whom you receive commandments. If he come unto you, re receive him. So Artarchus is a fellow prisoner who was seized and imprisoned in Ephesus when a riot broke out over Paul's teaching. He made a choice. He chose to be in prison, in prison with Paul because he could have denied those teachings and not, and, and not go, in, go into a prison with Paul. Paul is teaching about Jesus Christ. This is why he's been put in prison, because that was not popular among the Romans and any other unbelievers. They hated Jesus Christ. So anyone who stood for him uh, was gonna be put in prison. Well, do you, we are living in the same days right now. Anyone that declares the truth of Jesus Christ, you're an outcast, and you're not accepted. And they're working hard on trying to, like they can destroy. How are you going to destroy Christianity when you're not the author of it? Jesus is the beginning and the ending. And regardless of all of the hell that we're facing right now, we still win. They just don't know the end of the story. They think they got it and they know what's going to end, but no, 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 no. It's going to end just like it did in all those uh, ages ago when they did the same thing, okay? Because God is in control. He's allowing, this is grace period for the church. Even though we're facing hell and condemnation and all of that, this is your grace period to prove how much you really love the Lord. Are you going to stand with him? Are you going to stay with him? Are you going to stand up for truth regardless of what it may cost you? Yeah. Or are you going to go in with the masses and the majority because it sounds more practical than what you know? Mm -hmm. We're in that time. Yeah. Are you going to believe the lies because it seems to be the majority and you're the outcast? Or are you going to stand for the truth that you know that's been put in you at all costs, because to live is gain and to die is gain in Christ, amen? But if you don't stand, the end is going to be terrible for you. When you were first confessing that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and then when it, the heat gets too much and it's unpopular and you take a different stand, you're gonna to have to pay for that. Amen. Okay, so he chose to be in prison with Paul. Now, um, Mark is the other person in, in this verse. I was talking about Artashius, a fellow prisoner. That's why Paul called him a fellow, a fellow prisoner with him, because he made a choice to be in prison and to stay with Paul. Now, now you, we all know who Mark is. Mark is actually known as John Mark okay, who is the author of the Gospel of Mark, but he's also the cousin of Barnabas. And remember, uh, Mark caused an, ar an argument between Paul and Barnabas. But since that time, now as Paul is talking about him in the scriptures, that relationship had been restored and he was back in the ministry. Amen. 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 Okay. Now, verse 11 says, And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are all who are of the circumcision now this is has nothing to do with Jesus Christ that was the name that was a common name at that time so in the in the in, in the um, uh, name for that is justice okay and so it says that these are all these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Paul is saying they have been a comfort unto me and I'm sending them to you in my place to be a comfort up to you. Now, all that is known of justice is that Paul approved his character and that he was a Jew who acknowledged Jesus Christ. That's why and it says in here he were of the circumcision because Jews who were circumcised was considered followers of Christ, okay? So he joined Paul and, um, in the work of the ministry, and so Paul was sending the greetings to the, to the Colossians church concerning him, 
Amen. Okay. Ephratus, who is one of you, verse 12, a servant of Christ, greets you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, you intercessors are going to really love him. Because <laughs> he was known, really, as the founder of the Colossians church. And, 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 un, and understood strong intercession, which is what the basis of the foundation of the church is built upon that keeps the church from falling, okay? And it says he, he, that he was going to bring them into spiritual maturity. Why and how? Because he knew how to pray. Amen. He knew how to intercede. And that intercession on behalf of the church helps to bring the church into spiritual maturity. You know, have you ever thought about why people from the churches we know of that are from big, or let me say, large congregations, mm -hmm. they go there because it's a status mm -hmm. and, and it's social and there's a lot of networking that can go on within the congregation. So it makes people feel good about belonging to a church like that. That's not going to help your soul. But I'm not saying that for that purpose. What amazes me is that some of those folks, when they get into a hard time and they need to see the hand of God operate, they come here or call us up for prayer. They get help, they get relieved, and then they go back to the social group. Isn't that interesting? But we're going to just keep on doing what we do. We're going to keep on praying for them and lifting them up. Because, see, what I don't do, unless you're not connected to a particular church, but what I don't do is try to recruit people from another church. But if you're if you just visiting or you just go, but you have not made no connection, then I and you come here, I will try to get you into this into this church to, to for you to be disciple and to grow up in the things of Christ. Amen. Amen. And so um, the church was understood as being strong and in prayer because of Epaphras. Okay. Paul referred to Ephesus as a follow, fellow prisoner and faithful minister. So he co-labored with him in prison, and he served in the office of ministry. Okay? He also suggested as being the founder of these three churches. The three churches he's talking about in verse 13. I think it's, no. Uh, it's in verse, yeah, in verse 13, the three churches he's talking about is... Um, Laodicea, uh, Hierapolis, and also uh, Colossian. Okay? So, so then we get to uh, 14, and then it's talking about Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greets you. So all of these people are sending greetings to the church. Now, we know Luke was the doctor and the writer of the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. Now, his conversion and work for God superseded his craft for doctrine. So he didn't do any doctrine anymore because he was serving God completely. Okay? Now, Demas was one of Paul's co-workers and friend. In Paul's first part of his prison term in Rome, Demas shared Paul's hardships. However... Later, his love for the present world lured him away from his faith. So there is no other report on him in the, in the, in the Bible, nor does it report whether he ever returned to the faith. You see, he had fallen in love with Jesus, but his love for stuff, things, superseded his faithfulness to Christ. The Bible don't lie. In Matthew, he says, you cannot uh, serve two masters. 
when you have a love for superficial things, that's a master. That's a master. When your love for super, superficial thing, when I say super, outer stuff, yeah. is greater than it is for Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. Amen. Okay? You will not stay in faith with Christ. Because, see, as long as you're getting a feel-good message, as long as miracles is happening for you, as long as everything is just so wonderful, you can hang. But the moment that now your faith is going to be on trial and it's going to be tested, then you go back to the feel-good world that you think is feeling good, to the stuff that, of the world that makes you feel good. That's a double-minded person. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Because you got to take a full stand, not a partial stand. You're either standing for Christ or you're standing for the world. Amen. And you cannot flip-flop and waver back and forth and think Christ is going to be pleased with your actions. Amen. Nor can you grow in the things of Christ when you're flipping back and forth. So that's what happened to him. He was in love with Christ at first, but he also had a love for the world as to what the world can bring you. Let me tell you, God said he will supply all of our needs and give you some of the desires of your heart. You don't have to succumb to the world's ways to get provisions. He will provide for you whatever you need. Amen? And, and if some of those desires you don't get, it's because you didn't need them. Amen. They were only going to help you stay in the world. So he did you a favor when he didn't answer that desire. Okay? So in 15, it says, Greet the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphos, and the church will, which is in his, in his house. Um, now, it's funny because... He's talking about uh, the, the church that is in the house of Laodicea. When he used the pronoun him, he, he's, 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 he's talking about the one who actually got it started, and that was Ephraus, Epaphras, Epaphras. Okay, that's who he's talking about because Nymphus is a female. Okay, and so what the deal is is that she, um, she became saved, but she had um, a, a, a home, and she was a woman of means and, and prominence. And so she opened her house as a second addition because the one that was in Laodicea, the house they were using for that church, the, it got so crowded they needed another home. So she became the addition to that church and they was having services in her home. Amen? Because the congregation was growing. And they were generally, when they started those churches, they were having home services. They didn't have a building. That's how they all started. I remember when we were going to, going to Hope and, and, and um, Pastor Stewart knew about the prayers, the, um, the um, intercessory prayer team that I had in, in the house. Now, he don't even realize it, but he declared my future. I certainly did not realize it at the time, but he was declaring my future. When I think back on it, he came to, uh, he came over our house. He would come over every so often, he and, um, and, and, and he would, I would send stuff back to, to his wife and children. But anyway, this one particular day that he came, I don't know if you remember that, Mac. He was, we were in the basement because I was showing him, you know, where we actually had our prayer intercessory prayer meeting and stuff. And he says, you know, this is how the early churches started, in homes. And so he was actually declaring the future. Amen. And I just thought, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Which I already knew that they had services in their home, but I wasn't thinking about church services. We're having prayer service, okay? So I wasn't looking like that, but look where we are. And so in, in, in um, 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 this, this latter part in here, um, Paul is, is trying to encourage the people of the church to stay committed to the cause of Christ. 
okay? Which is, it's, it's just so important that we remember the cause that we're on because it is so easy for the things in the world to get us off course, the things we deal with in our families to get us off course. Thinking other things are far more important. Let me tell you, when you have a strong commitment to the Lord and other things pop up, you'll figure out a way because you want to, God will give you some wisdom to figure out a way how you can stay committed to your lifestyle of Christ as you deal with the cares of, of, of life. You just have to want it. Now he, he's a gentleman, so he's not gonna force you. So you can have all kinds of excuses while you can't show up for Bible study and services because he's not going to force you. But if you're committed, he, he will give you some wisdom how to work out something that's coming to interfere. Because let me tell you, don't be deceived. If you have gotten a regimen of doing something, like coming to Bible study and for services, and you've gotten into a routine, and you're beginning to grow in the things of Christ, then the enemy's gonna send something up that's gonna come across your path that's gonna make it inconvenient for you to be faithful again. So that's when you have to take a strong stand and stand against those things and ask God, what should I do? How can I rearrange this, work this, and fix this where it does not interfere with my faithfulness? Because let me tell you something. You may not think it's a big deal because you love the Lord, you speak in tongues, you pray, you do all these things. You may not think it's a big deal for you to miss some classes and, 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 and services. It's a very big deal. And Satan knows it because you know why? Because he knows that your consistency is going to do a few things besides destroy his power in your life. But it's going to cause you to be stronger and, and stable to the point that he can't throw you off your stands. It's going to interfere with your spiritual maturity. You know, we do everything else we want to do, but when it comes to serving Christ, it's a hit and miss. It's an occasion. It's when it's convenient. That's what happened with Demas. And he ended up leaving the faith. Because you get stronger in Christ. When you practice consistency, you get stronger in Christ. Besides the fact that when you're coming, you're learning. And that information, that knowledge gives you wisdom to live life. You think you know how to live natural life. You don't know nothing. You didn't create you. The one who created you know all about how you're supposed to live. And if you be consistent and faithful, he'll tell you, he'll give you some wisdom to the knowledge that you received so that you can walk and be faithful and upright in the things of Christ. The proof that, and I'm always saying that we were not created for our own personal needs. We were not created here to, to have homes and drive nice cars and be educated and have good jobs and have children. We were not created for those purposes. They happen to be a bonus to your creation. We were created to serve God. And so the proof of that is that God provides us with talents, gifts, and possessions, and they're to be freely used for the body of Christ and for unbelievers to convert them. And that's what these apostles, and that's what these fellow workmen and, 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 and servants and, and slaves for Christ were doing under Paul's leadership. That's why it was it's so important, which is probably the most boring part of the New Testament writings. But, of course, Satan would make that boring to us because we won't learn and have a greater understanding. So they had given their lives to serving God to the point that people were growing in the knowledge of Christ and their needs were being met because that was first and foremost. So all that God has provided you with, it was not for your own little selfish needs. 
all the talents, the spiritual gifts, and all of your possessions, money inclusive, were free, were given to you to give freely to other people who are in need in the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ. What we possess is not for us alone because we were put here to praise and worship God with our life and our lifestyles, Amen. not for what it gains you. The bonus is when you make him first and you do that, you will have a gain. Amen. You will be supplied. You will be satisfied. But when you put those things before him, you're going to suffer lack. And I don't, I'm not talking about possessional lack, lack in your soul. When you're, you no longer have any contentment, you have no joy, you have no peace, you don't know what step to take first, you don't know what direction to go in. That's because you put other things before serving Christ. Now, in the last two Two, two verses of this, of this chapter, um, uh, well, three verses, 16 through uh, 18. Verses 16 and 17, Paul speaks to Achippus, and he, they, they have uh, assumed that he was either the son of Philemon or a close relative who was asked to shelter the escaped slave, Anemus. Remember? He was a slave to uh, Philemon, okay? But Paul was encouraging Achippus to be faithful in his duties as an office or leader in the church. So part of that faithfulness is you to take back the people who uh, did something wrong to, to restore them back to the things of Christ. So he was forced to take him in but he, he, uh, Onemus actually became a very faithful servant who did much, okay? And so uh, uh, at the verse 18, at the, Paul, at the end, Paul is asking for prayer that he might be released from prison. That's one prayer. Also, to remember the grace of God's truth that they had received. Paul is asking them to pray so that they will remember and understand God's grace that they had received that allowed them to receive God's truth. It takes grace to receive God's truth. And for them to remember, grace has saved them, and it will also preserve them from false teachings. Because you're always going to have other people come around, religious people I'm talking about, who will come around with false teachings that will mislead you. So God's grace, first of all, saves us, uh, informs us, yes. preserves us, yes. keeps us. Yes. And so you don't ever want to forget God's grace. And it also, grace characterizes every aspect of the Christian's life. It characterized every aspect of your Christian life. What do I mean? If it wasn't for grace, where would you be? You're not here on your own accord. You're not here because of your intellect and your education. You're not here because of your wisdom. We're here because of God's grace and all that he brings to the picture. If you have wisdom, it's because of God. So that's why James tell us to, to ask for it. Those of you who like it, ask for it. Don't be so proud thinking that you're supposed to know everything. How are you going to know everything when you ain't reading nothing? Oh, glory to God. So we have to remember God's grace where it brought us. Now, what I did, I'm going to climax with this. I looked up all of these names to see what they meant. Because you know when we come to Christ, you, now first of all, when you were born of your mother's womb, you were given a name. And you know, people pick names because, oh, that sounds good. And, but thank God, when you got saved, he gave you a new name. And that name will define what you were put here for. 
That name will give you a new sense of direction after you've been reborn in Christ. And so we need to be listening to those names, and they're all in the Bible. Okay, you still have that birth-given name, but that birth-given name can't define your future, nor should it be dictating your actions. Because some of these names we were given, it's like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Okay, so first of all, Taisha's name is Chance Happening. He was the very first one that Paul talked about that was with Paul doing his imprisonment and stayed with Paul and went forth to start these other churches. Chance Happening, okay? Anemus is, is use, useful. Are y'all getting the picture? Yes. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus, who started the churches. Uh, Aristus, Artashus, is that how you pronounce Artashus? Okay, the best ruler. The best ruler, that's what his name means. The best ruler. He was fair. Mark, in the other word, was Marcus. A large hammer, a large hammer, which means faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. That's hammering it in. Okay. Justice, the other name was Jesus. Righteous. Wouldn't that, that's so fitting. You're going to be named after our Savior. Righteous. Okay. Now, there was one name I couldn't find, Ephraphus. I couldn't find that. So, so maybe somebody else, because I didn't have time to, to, to go any deeper. I had to get ready to come here. Demas means popular. Oh, see, that's superficial, outer mess. I don't care about being popular. I want to be known by Jesus. Remember, Nephis was the lady, was the female. It says, sacred to the nymphs, sacred to the nymphs, yes, which means was hope for the loss. When you look at it, it's hope for the loss, okay. And Archippus, master of the horse. Now think about a horse can be led around with the bits and can be trained. And that's what unbelievers are, like goats, Horses, people who think they got it because a horse is strong. Okay, you can't depend on physical strength. So all of these animals that can do you physical damage but don't have no sense, that's being led around by somebody else to bring change and control into their being. Y'all got it? Praise the Lord. Okay, that's the end of our class today. <laughs> Yeah, it was different, but I enjoyed that. But let me, oh, I got to read this. Mm. I got a, um, from Facebook, from um, Pastor Stewart. Um, it was good. But uh, since he had posted something, but what he posted came from other writers. And so I need to, I need to read this because it was really good. It's, it's um, Three Simple Rules by Reuben Job. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, with that name. I'm not familiar with it, but anyway, it says, Rule one, do not harm, and it was posted last week, April the 30th. And rule two was, do good, and that was posted on May 3rd. And so Pastor Stewart put this on, on Facebook, and it says, doing good, like rule one, doing no harm is a proactive way of living. I don't need to wait to be asked to do some good deed or provide some needed help. I don't need to wait until circumstances cry out for aid to relieve suffering or correct some horrible injustice. I can decide that my way of living will come down on the side of doing good to all in every circumstance and in every way I can. I can decide that I will choose a way of living that nourishes goodness and strengthens community.
This way of living will require a careful and continued assessment of my life and the world in which I live. It will require an even more bold and radical step than not doing harm to those who may disagree with me and even seek to harm me. From now on, I'm committing myself to seeking good for everyone in my world and everyone in God's world. Even those little offenses like cutting in ahead of me in traffic to the large offenses, such as considering me less than a child of God, can never move me outside the circle of goodness that flows from God to me and through me to the world. Every act and every word must pass through the love and will of God and there be measured to discover if its purpose does indeed bring good and goodness to all it touches. Okay, now I'm going to go to the next one. Rule three. And, it, and, and it's, this, it's the same person, Reuben Job, okay? It says, stay in love with God. And, and, and this one really blessed me because it's stuff God has been revealing to me and I've been talking here lately, how we put all our emphasis on superficial stuff, but not on relationships, which, which are the lasting thing, but also the thing that will give you what you need to feel fulfilled because we're just superficial outer stuff, okay? But I'll tell you more about what God has been telling me as I read in here. In her book, The Illuminated Life, Joan Chister puts it in this way, all we have in life is life. Things, the cars, the houses, the jobs, the money come and go. Turn to dust between our fingers, change and disappear. The secret of life is that it must be developed from the inside out. Living in the presence of God, who is made known in Jesus Christ and companies and companions us in the Holy Spirit is to live life from the inside out. It is to find our moral direction, our wisdom, our courage, our strength to live faithfully from the one who authors us. Now that's very important because we don't have the courage to face what we have to face without Christ. Amen. We don't have the wisdom and the direction as which way to go without Christ. And we certainly don't have the strength to just get up and be productive and to do without Christ, okay? From the one who, who authors us, calls us, sustains us, and sends us into the world as witnesses who daily practices the way of living with Jesus. Spiritual disciplines keeps us in that healing, redeeming presence and power of God that forms and transforms each of us more and more into the image of the one we seek to follow. We may name our spiritual disciplines differently, but we too must find our way of living and practicing those disciplines that will keep us in love with God. Practices that will keep us positioned in such a way that we may hear and be responsive to God's slightest whisper of direction and receive God's promise, presence, and power every day and in every situation. It is in these practices that we learn to trust God as revealed in Jesus Christ. It is in these practices that we learn of God's love for us. It is where our love for God is nurtured and sustained. Incorporating these practices in our way of living will keep us in love with God and assure us of God's love for us in this world and in the world to come. Now that is a powerful statement. It is where our love for God is nurtured and sustained. Incorporating these practices in our way of living will keep us in love with God and assure us of God's love for us in this world and in the world to come. Keeping a close relationship with God the Father was one of Jesus' strengths. We must keep close with God in all aspects and keep our love of God, love of the people, love of each other, and love of ourselves and life as much as we can in life. You, you know, keeping close relationship with, with God was Jesus' strength, and how can we be greater than the teacher and not follow his example? While these views are rooted in Jude Jude 
Judeo-Christian faith tradition, such rules have universal implication for all religion and spiritual traditions. God bless and love you all. Carlisle Stewart. That went so well with what we just got through learning, okay? And I, 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 it's just been so heavy in my spirit how we spend so much time and energy on superficial things and not on developing good, healthy, honorable relationships so that our life will be worth the living and we will be more at peace with each other, but more especially within ourselves. You know, I am, I don't know how to say it, but my spirit is so grieved by our superficial behavior and how we don't look. You know, we can come out here to the church and we, we can look religious, sound religious, and great, but let me tell you, inwardly there's a great suffering because we have not learned how to love God's way to be at peace. And there is no real true happiness, there definitely no joy, but there is no real true happiness deep within. And so you're suffering, although outwardly you people may be impressed with what they see outwardly, but inwardly there is great demise, there is lack, there is suffering because we have not learned to tap in to a real relationship. See, if you haven't learned how to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, you can have it with another individual. And that's what we need to be focused. We need to start repenting and asking God to help us learn how to have a healthy, honest, loyal relationship with the people he has put in our lives so that we can at least be the example of, of the change. Amen. You know, we are dealing with some real issues in the world that when you go in your house and close the door with other relatives, if you can't have any peace and you don't have a legitimate communication where you feel comfortable and free, then how can you face the world outside where people don't sit up and have conversations, just, you know, not talking about anything serious, but just that you know how to communicate and respond to each, to each other. It could be any little thing, but that you can talk. Amen. We're in a world now that that's gone by the wayside. It's the, and I guess it bothers me so much because I grew up in a household where you talked, where there was constant fellowship where we sat at the dinner table yeah. all together and there was conversation going on and rejoicing just because we were alive and together. Where we sat and watched TV together and there was communication. It's like you can't even communicate about what you're looking at because you're disturbing the other person's. Please, get over yourself. It's for entertainment. So we should be able to rejoice over it and talk about it or make mockery of it because it's dumb. But we're so spread apart with, with the world system. With the world system. Where you're looking at some junk that cannot edify you does not help your soul to become delivered, can't lift up your thoughts high above where God can do something with it. You're looking at mess that does not do anything for you that's good. But because it's a truth, it's a true fact, you think it's okay to watch that garbage? 
When God said, don't be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your request known to him so that you can think on things that are good, pure, holy, lovely, of a good report, of virtue. You can't think on those things when you've just fed your soul with trash. Factual trash. True trash. He says on truth. This is the only truth. That other stuff are true things. But this is the truth. And this truth will change our heart, relieve our thoughts, and deliver our soul. Only this. Amen. And if, and, and like I said, if you are having a problem with reading, you can get the Bible on sound and listen and listen and listen. Because faith cometh by hearing, whether you're hearing yourself speak it or somebody else speak it. Amen. Father, we come to surrender our will and our ways to you. Relinquish our intellect so we can follow your godly wisdom. What we've done thus far hasn't worked. And we don't want to live out the rest of our days in lack because of the ignorance that Satan wants to blind us with. So we call on the name of Jesus. Live large in our hearts. Rearrange our thoughts. Change us, purge us, cleanse us, wash us so that you can lift us up and be true followers of Jesus Christ. We ask you to forgive us of our lack, of our ignorance, our selfishness, self-denial, our arrogance. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Give us a heart of flesh again. And give us the strength to go where we need to go to apologize and confess where it's necessary. And God, I pray that as we all leave this place, traveling mercies will follow us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.